All right, guys. Well, uh, now we can really, you know, talk. I mean, uh, you know, ladies are gone. We don't have to, you know, worry. There's things that we say in, uh, uh, with, in mixed company that we don't say or we, things we can say here that uh, we don't. So I thought I'd start with um, how to figure how to, how to how men look at and create the fantastic female. Okay, so I'm going to give you a list, okay, from a man's perspective of what the perfect woman is like. Okay, how's that? Let's start there. Number one, here are 25 essentials for a fantastic female from a woman's, from a man's perspective. Number one, learn to work the toilet seat. Okay, if it's up, put it down. We need it up. You need it down. You don't hear us complaining about you leaving it down. Okay. Okay, if I can get a couple grunts here every once in a while. Okay, okay. Two, if you won't dress like Victoria's Secret girls, don't expect us to act like Don Juan or Romeo guys. Okay? Right. Number three, don't cut your hair. Ever. Long hair is always more attractive than short hair. One of the big reasons guys fear getting married is that married women always cut their hair, and by then, you're stuck with her. Okay? <laughs> All right. Number four, birthdays, Valentine's Day and anniversaries are not quests to see if we can find the perfect present yet again. Right. Right. All right. Number five, if you ask a question you don't want an answer to expect an answer you don't want to hear. Anybody? All right. Number six, sometimes we're not thinking about you. Just learn to live with it. Don't ask what we're thinking about unless you're prepared to discuss such topics as March Madness, the shotgun formation, and the stupidity of the prevent defense. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number seven, Saturday equals sports. It's like the full moon or the changing of the tides. Let it be. Right? Are you looking for a perfect woman? Eight, shopping is not a sport. And no... We're never going to think of it in that way. Okay? Number nine, when we have to go somewhere, absolutely anything you want to wear is fine with us. Okay? Don't ask us. Anybody else get the parade? Okay. They go out and buy things. They come home with it. Right? Have to show it to you. Yeah, right. Fashion show. Regular in my house. Okay. Nine, when we have, okay, number 10, you have enough clothes. That's it. Number 11, you have too many shoes. Somebody went shoe shopping yesterday. <laughs> You're still working on the fantastic female. How many years? 30? 30. 30 years. <laughs> by the way, this is, this, is, this is dream scenario here, by the way. Okay. It's not reality. Number 12, crying is definitely blackmail. Okay? <laughs> and number 13, ask for what you want. Let's be clear on this one. Subtle hints don't work. Strong hints don't work. Really obvious hints don't work. Just say it. Let me communicate different than we do. 14, we don't know what day it is. We never will. Mark anniversaries on the calendar. There you go. I had a couple got caught with that last night, not knowing how long they've been married. Every time. Every, every, every time. <laughs> All right. Um, 15. Yes and no are perfectly acceptable answers to almost every question. Right? There doesn't need an explanation to follow. Okay. Number 16. Come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it, because that's what we do. All right, 17. A headache that lasts for 17 months is a problem. Go see a doctor. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Nobody's admitted. <laughs> All right, 18. If something we said could be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you mad or sad, we meant the other one. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think about it the best way that it, however the best way is, that's how we want you to think about it. Okay? 19. You can either tell us to do something or tell us how to do something, but not both. 
Amen. 20. Whenever possible, please say whatever you have to say during commercials. <laughs> or halftime. Halftime's good too. All right. All right. So, all right, good. 21. All men see in only 16 colors. Peach is a fruit, not a color. <laughs> Agree? Yes. I'll tell my wife something is a certain color. She'll say, no, that's, that's color. And I'm like, Mine. who cares? I really, really don't care. Are we really going to argue about what color this is? <laughs> exactly right. 22. If it itches, it will be scratched. Yes. Amen. They need to understand this principle. <laughs> 23. If we ask what's wrong and you say nothing, we will act like nothing's wrong. We know you're lying, but it's just not worth the pain. <laughs> 24. Anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument today. All comments become null and void after seven days. Make it we can work that into the contract somewhere <laughs> in the vows or something. And 25, lastly, most guys own three pairs of shoes. What makes you think we'd be any good at choosing which pair out of 50 would look good with your dress? <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, so that's the fantastic female. Right, yeah, let, let's bow. Yeah, let's pray. <laughs> I see that hand. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, listen, uh, we're going to go to Ephesians 5 here um, this morning as we started. But as I'm, I'm thinking about these, uh, uh, you know, couples conference and, and what it is, I, and talking to you men, I was thinking about, you know, the, I was thinking about one thing, really, uh, and I never really wavered on this, uh, and that is talking about the privilege of leadership, the privilege of leadership. You know, we, we are, by God's design, we've been given responsibility, the role and responsibility of leadership. For most of us, we kind of look at it like, Oh, man, it's leadership. You know what a heavy burden it is. Well, you've got to understand that leadership is not just a responsibility. It's a great privilege. Amen. It's a privilege that God has given us. It's a privilege for you and I to be able to lead our wives. It's a privilege for us to be able to lead our children. It's a privilege for us to be able to lead. The way that, that the Apostle Paul structured it, and again, that doesn't mean that your wife is any less of a person. And again, be careful with that philosophy. I think for years, independent Baptists had a philosophy that women were lesser because we were leading, and you have to walk five steps behind me in order to prove that I'm the man, I'm the leader. And that's really not the way that the Bible structures it. The Bible structures it for order only. That is, that doesn't mean your wife is created any lesser than you. It means that she was created for a specific role, and that within the within your home, if you each will perform your role and function, there won't be any conflict. God wants to make sure that there is a, a harmony within your home and an order of things. In fact, God is a God of order. Think about the way that God even structured the Godhead. Think of God the Father who sent the Son. The Son submits to the Father, and Jesus said while He was here, my meat is to do always those things which please Him. That is, I'm constantly trying to please him and glorify him okay the son jesus said when i leave it's expedient that i go away i will send you another comforter he sent the holy spirit in his stead but jesus said that when the holy spirit came he wouldn't testify of himself but rather he would testify of the son so even within the godhead while they're all co-equal co-powerful and co-eternal with one another there's a structure and order in order for harmony and for things to be done right. God the Father sends the Son. The Son submits to the Father and glorifies the Father. The Son sends the Spirit. The Spirit comes and lives within us, but He doesn't testify of Himself. Rather, He testifies of the Son. And so you've got this, while there is a... A, a, an order horizontally where they're, where they're all the same as each other. Truth of the matter is, if you look at the scripture, there is a way in which even the Godhead is ordered in structure. Because Jesus came, does that make him any less God? Uh, does that make him any less, any less the Son of God or eternal with God or powerful as the Father or powerful as the Spirit? No. Is the Holy Spirit any less of the, of the per, a person of the Godhead because he came and testifies of the Son? Absolutely not. They, they all are God. All should be Worshipped, and all of them are powerful, eternal, and, and immutable. They all possess those qualities. But when it comes to function, okay, even the Godhead has an order of function. 
So understand that in 1 Corinthians 11, we're not, we're not there, but in 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul talks about order, he talks about God being the head of Christ, Christ being the head of the man, the man being the head of the woman, okay, and then the man and the woman, of course, then having the children. That's God's declension. That's God's order of things. That's the way he wants it to function. It's not the way, it's not just the way he made us so that, you know, you're better than God is not better than Christ, and Christ is, it's not, it's not a better than type of thing. It's for function and order. God is a God of order. God is a God of function. He wants things in your home to look like it's supposed to, to look. So, again, when your wife, when, when you leave, like you're supposed to, and your wife submits. That doesn't mean that you guys can't have conversations about things that you do together. Well, you probably should. You know, there's there's a lot of things that your wife can offer you. There's a lot of things she has to say that's very valuable. I've learned over the course of, of my life and my ministry just how valuable my wife's opinion is. She sees things sometimes that I do not see. She is aware of things sometimes that I am not aware of. She she knows she'll see things in 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 the ladies or see something in a marriage or see something that I am just not privy to. And so her her advice or her her sharing that with me is absolutely integral to to my ministry. I need her perspective. I oftentimes go to her and talk to her, you know, when we're working together. And I'll tell you, fellas, if it weren't for the ladies in our church, our church wouldn't function. I mean, we have to have the ladies in our church function like they're supposed to be functioning. So when God created you and God created me and he got, God gave us our wives, he created it so that when we came together, we would learn to function and we would learn to function in the order in which he laid it out for us. Now, this is not just a responsibility, it's a privilege. That is, for you to be able to have your wife and to be able to lead her around is a great privilege. Now, I think, first off, we need to think about the matter of leadership the way that the Lord leads us. Think about the way the Lord leads us. The Bible says, in Psalm 23, probably maybe a good example of God's leadership, the Lord is my shepherd, Okay, I shall not want. He leadeth me besides the waters. He, he leadeth me in green pastures. Okay, He restoreth my soul. The concept of God's leadership in Psalm 23 is that He leads us. Okay, You never want to drive your wife. You never want to have to drive her. Okay, Shepherds lead from the front. Okay, They're out there walking the train first. Okay, they're out there. They're out ahead of the game. Well, you know, listen, you you lead sheep, but you drive goats. Okay, we want to shepherd our homes. We want to lead our wives, just like God leads us. You don't want to have to drive your wife. Okay, if you're driving, if you feel like you're doing too much driving at the house, you guys need to fix that. You guys need to talk about that, okay? There shouldn't be a reluctance on her part to follow, and there shouldn't have to be a constant prodding of you to be able to get her to go and to do what you want to do, okay? But again, that means that you're the example. The shepherd's always out in front, okay? That means that you're the one that's setting the pace. Unfortunate in our, in our churches, I know it's this way in my church, I don't know if it's the way in, in your church, but in my church, I have women that are really a whole lot more interested in spiritual things than the men are. And there just seems to be this huge gap where women will come to anything. They'll come to the Bible studies. They'll come to the fellowships. They'll come to the activities. But you can't get the men to come out. You can't get them to leave whatever it is they see is important to come to a breakfast. And you can't get them to, to show up for an outing or an event. Or you can't, they're just not interested in having their own Bible study. For some reason... The men don't have the same level of interest as the ladies. That is not the way the Bible pictures leadership. And that's the reason why a lot of them are so strong and so opinionated is because they don't have a man who has got enough guts to be able to step out in front and to be able to lead them. Okay, So you've got to set the pace. And you've got to be the one to get out in front of them and lead them, lead them along. That's the way the Lord leads us. Okay, When he leads us, Okay. Uh, remember that man's first failure was to lead the woman and be there to protect and guard her in the garden. Man's first failure. Okay. The first question we should ask ourselves is, okay, the serpent okay, comes up and beguiles Eve. First question we should ask ourselves is, where's Adam? Where is Adam? Okay. He was obviously close enough, right? Because as soon as they get done with the conversation, Eve turns around and hands him the fruit. So it may not have been that he was absent, but he certainly was derelict in his duty to be able to lead her, to protect her. He should have been able to step in listening to this conversation and be able to say, no, 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 don't do not listen to him. 
He's going to poison this thing and ruin this thing for us. But instead, he allowed that to take place and was, was, was delinquent in being a leader that God wanted him to be. So again, we've got to be present in the matter of protecting and guarding. I know that when you get done with work, the last thing you want to deal with is problems at home. But you have to know what's going on in your home. You can't just, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to talk about it, and push it out of your mind. Okay, What that does, it leaves the woman at the tree by herself. Okay? She doesn't need to be at the tree by herself. You need to be there, and you need to be present. You don't think she's tired? You know, think about this. You're gone all day. You're gone all day long. Okay, you come home at night. The wife is she? She's either she's either if she's a homemaker, she's been at home. She's been taking care of the kids. She hasn't had adult, intellectual, college level conversation with an adult all day long. When you come home. She wants to talk to you, but you're trying to disconnect. You're trying to turn it off. I understand that you've been talking and you've been conversing all day long. But the truth of the matter is, some people said that uh, Dr. Dobson used to say that, that men, uh, have, men and women use a different amount of words. Uh, that men on average speak about 25,000 words. Women speak about 50,000 words a day. Okay? And that's just the difference between us. And that by the time a man comes home from work... He's used all of his words on people that he's interacting with at home, and yet she's saved up, and she's stored up, and she hasn't had intelligent conversation. And so she wants to talk to her husband. She wants to relay some things to him. She wants to lay some things out. But, of course, we're all used up. We don't want to talk. We don't want to respond, and we don't want to listen. And so it creates this, this tension in the home immediately because she wants to connect in some way with you. All right, so it's important that we learn this privilege of leadership that God has given us. You know, where are our men when it comes to leading our homes? Oh, where, where was Adam and Eve, where was Adam when Eve was speaking to the serpent? You know, men have a tendency to care for their own needs and not for the needs of others. We have a need, we have a tendency to minister to ourselves and to ourselves first before we minister to anybody else. And it's going to be hard to start pushing your, your family and start pushing your wife ahead of your own needs. Okay, but if you do that, your your marriage will be better. If you do that, you'll, you'll your your mind will be better, your heart will be better, and you'll be in better harmony. So let's talk about some things, some ways to lead our wives, and that's really want to talk about some axioms for leading our wives. What what are some of the things that we ought to do in order to be able to lead them the way that God wants us to lead them? Notice Ephesians five. Now this passage, this this whole chapter, well, beginning really in verse number twenty one, the latter part of this chapter. Paul deals with husband and wife, but his, his idea here is not to deal with husband and wife. What he's really trying to illustrate is Christ and the church. The issue in this passage is not, he gives us some great principles for marriage, but that's not really his primary intent. The primary intent of Ephesians 5 is to tell us how the church and Jesus are supposed to operate, and he uses the home as an example of that picture. So as he's talking here, he uses Jesus and the church as a picture of the groom or the husband and the wife. And so as he's going through here, notice uh, Ephesians 5 and verse number 25. Here's the first axiom. First axiom for leading your wife. Verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. First of all, the first axiom, best way to lead her is to love her. The best way to lead her is to love her. Now, gentlemen, this is the greatest need of a woman. The greatest need of a woman is to be loved. You'll notice it. Look at verse 33 of the same passage. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Right here, Paul, even though he's given us many principles, he boils down the marriage relationship to two things. Here it is. A woman needs to be loved, and a man needs to be reverenced or respected. Your greatest need and your greatest desire in your life is to be respected. You don't like when people disrespect you. You don't like when people talk over you. You don't like when people make little of what you do and what you've done. You want to be respected in your work. You want to be respected in your home. You want to be the king of your own castle. Paul acknowledges the fact that reverence or respect is absolutely essential for the woman to give to the man. By the way, the curse 
that was given in, in Genesis, that whole thing with the sin of mankind, is messed this whole thing up. Jesus, I mean, God told, told, told Eve in the very beginning that her desire would be to her husband. That is, I think the, the concept of, of what he's telling her there is she was going to desire to lead and to lord over her husband. That was part of the curse. But she had to learn to submit and learn to reverence. It's hard for a woman to respect her husband, okay? Because she looks at things and she goes, why should I respect that? Why should I respect that? Why should I respect that? That's sin, okay? When sin comes into her life, the issue that's affected most often is her respect and her reverence of you. But for us guys, the hardest thing for us to do is fascinating to me that the thing that we need most is the hardest for each of us to do. The thing that a man needs most is respect and reverence, and that is the hardest thing for a woman to do. And the thing that a man needs to give his wife more than anything else is love, and that is the hardest thing for us to do. It is the hardest thing. And like I said last night, some of these things can't happen on your own. It has to happen by the help of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be reliant upon the Lord to be able to help you love her in the way that you're supposed to love her. In this passage, notice he, 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 uh, he says in verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now I'm going to tell you, God is not telling us to love ourselves, and if we learn to love ourselves, we would learn to love our wives. He's assuming that we already have a great love relationship for me. And that's the truth of the matter is, God's not telling us to love ourselves. He's telling us to love our wives as much as we love ourselves. So he's assuming the fact that men have a great love for themselves. And let's be honest, okay? You love a little bit of you, okay? I like a little bit of me, okay? If I'm going to choose to spend time with any, anybody, I'm going to spend time with myself, okay? Men like to be by themselves in a deer stand, like to be by themselves in a boat, Men like to be by themselves. We enjoy being by ourselves. We, love, we are in a love relationship with ourselves. If we would just learn to love our wives in that way, the same way we love ourselves, things would change. Things would change in our marriage. Your wife would be more responsive to you. Your wife would respect you more. Your wife would, would it would be easier to, to have a submissive wife. It would be easier for her to submit to you if you were loving her the way that God intended for you to love her. You know, rely on the Holy Spirit to, to do what you don't think you can. And it has to be by the Holy Spirit's help. Uh, by the way, God wouldn't command you to do something if, it were not, if he did not make it possible. So if God told you to love your wife, it is possible for you to love your wives. Okay? Don't think, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't love. Listen, you have to, again, by the power of the Spirit of God, but the enabling is available. If you want to love your wife the way God intended for you, it's available. So number one, you got to love her. Secondly, you got to leave some things for her. Notice Ephesians 5 and verse number 30. Uh, what he says here, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man lead his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one. Listen, there are some things in your, in your life that you might have to be willing to give up. Think about what Jesus did. All right, Jesus was God, sitting on the throne in glory. And he literally set aside his glory, okay, set aside his glory and stepped into the womb of a, of a woman in order to be made in the likeness of men. Think about all that Jesus gave up in order to come here for you. So when you think about what Jesus gave up in order to come here for you, then you can step back and say, okay, what do I need to give up? Now, I know none of us want to give up anything. You know, We don't want to throw away any old shoes. We don't want to throw away any, because why? They're just broke in, right? I mean, we've just worked on them. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there are some things that you might have to be willing to give up and part with for the betterment of your marriage and the betterment of your home, being willing to sacrifice some things being willing to leave some things. You know, um, there, are, there are some things that we might have to give up. Uh, Jesus leads us, when he leads us, he leads us with sacrifice and giving up things. He gave up his throne, he gave up his glory, and ultimately he gave up his life. He was willing to give up some things. We might have to give up some things for our wives. Now, I don't know what that is. 
Okay, but you guys know what it is. There, there's something that you guys are either at odds about all the time, or something that she really just wants you to do, and she's not asking you to do something unreasonable. It's just, it's just something that you just don't want to do because you're afraid that you know you're not going to be able to retain your own individuality, and and this is who you are. Uh, there are some times when we have to leave things, not because they're nagging us, but because we love them and we want to lead them, and it's an obstacle. Uh, and we all have to be willing to do that. And then, and then go to First Peter three. There's a couple more here. First Peter three, I think. A lot more we could say uh, from that particular passage. Let's go to First Peter three. And in First Peter three, we have uh, uh, again uh, some other axioms. So for the first thing we do, first of all, the best way to, to to way to lead her is to love her. Secondly, the best way to lead her is to leave for her. I know my wife's telling stories about me, so yeah, there's way too much happiness over there uh, going on. I, I just won't do that to her. I love her too much. First um, <laughs> Peter three, notice verse number seven. Notice it says, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them, that is your wives, according to knowledge. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Okay, so the first thing we, we have to do, the best way to lead her is to love her, and then to leave things for her. In 1 Peter 3, he says the best way to lead her is to listen to her. Dwell with her according to knowledge. Okay? Turn things off when she wants to talk to you. Okay? Turn things off when she wants to talk to you. Okay? I'm just going to be honest from my own perspective. Muting it is not enough. It's just not. Because I'm going to watch it. And I, I'm going to watch it. Even, I'm going to turn it out to turn it off. Because if it's going on over her shoulder, I'm watching it. I'm distracted by it. I just am. She was trying to talk to me during the Packer game on Thursday night. And I, I had had a long, a long day. I was at the church from eight until almost nine o'clock. Uh, we, we got dinner afterwards. We were eating at 10 o'clock and then home. And really all I wanted to do was just kind of collect my thoughts and sit down for just a few minutes and watch the game. Okay. But she wanted to talk, man. We hadn't seen each other all day. She wanted to talk. And I kept finding myself listening to her and going, they're on the 20. They're in the red zone, on the on the five, first down. I hope he throws it to Nelson. He's on my fantasy team. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's what we do. That's what we do. You got to quit that. Okay, you got to learn to listen to her. Okay. Sometimes you just need, and I know our our tendency is give. Okay, you, you tell me the problem so I can get up my toolbox and fix it. Okay. And we don't even listen to the whole problem. We just listen halfway. Okay, all right, all right, I know what your problem is. Let me, let me. We, we don't even, we don't even let them finish the sentence because that's the way we deal with in our jobs. When somebody comes to us, we want them to come to us and very quickly, in, in a very short fashion, not with a lot of words, tell us what the problem is so that we can go and get what we need in order to be able to fix it, and make it work. Okay, because we don't want to continue to talk to you. We want to fix it. So, that what if, if and our thought is, if I fix it, will you stop talking to me? Right. But that's not what she wants. She doesn't want you to fix it. Sometimes she already knows the answer to the questions and the problems. She already knows what she needs to do. She needs you to validate that. She just needs you to listen and shut up and make eye contact. Okay? That's hard. I don't know why it's so hard, but it is. Hear her heart. Hear what she's saying beyond her words. Okay? I read a book um, called Love and Respect. It's a great book. And in, in, in it, he describes that, that men have blue headphones and, and women wear pink. And that, that men hear things, that men hear the way men hear them, and women hear things the way women hear them, the way they want to hear them. Have you ever said something to your wife and then her repeat to you what you said and it doesn't sound anything like what you said? Do you, are, are you at the point in your marriage where you do disclaimers? I am. This is, this, this is, this is, here's, here's my conversation with my wife. I'm going to say something to you, but I want you to hear the actual words that I'm using and not what you think I'm about to say. Okay? I'm going to say it exactly the way I want you to hear it. Now, the reason why I have to do that is because when I say stuff to her, if I say it in passing, she hears it completely different. 
Her translation of it is not the same way that I speak and translate. She translates, she immediately, she takes anything I say personal, it immediately goes right to her heart, and then she thinks about it and she dwells on it. So I have to be careful what I say. And I have to be careful the way in which I say it. So you've got to learn to listen. The word knowledge here in this verse, he says, dwell with them according to knowledge. It refers to an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. Okay? The word giving here, give, give the giving honor. The word giving is the rendering of a Greek word, which means to assign, to portion off. Husbands should keep a special place of honor in their heart for their wives. Okay? They deserve their own spot. Okay? Their own place. It's not invaded by anything else. Okay? As we heard last night, they deserve their own box. Okay? And when your wife is talking to you, put all the other boxes away and get out the wife box and think about her and what she's saying and what she wants and what she's trying to convey. Women will drop hints as to what they're, what's going on. They don't come out right out and tell you what's happening with them. So you might have to be a little, a little bit of a detective in order to be able to figure out what's going on with them in their lives. All right? Learn to, learn to listen to her. So the best way to lead her is to listen to her. And then, and then fourthly, the best way to lead her is to learn her. To learn her. 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, he says, Dwell with them according to knowledge. Women are complex creatures and they take study. You know? I kind of picture myself like the crocodile hunter, don't you? You know? Look right here. We've got we've got a wonderful female. Isn't she beautiful? You know? And we're in the wild and we're studying this magnificent creature. And you're afraid to get too close because she'll take your head off, right? I mean, you know, because uh, we won't, but most of us, you know, like, you know, Steve Irwin would die if we got too close, you know, to things. We, we have to look at it like this great expedition, you know, that God has given us, this great adventure of learning. Sometimes it's hard. And I, for women, I mean, they, I think they got this mechanism because if you get close to figuring her out, there's, it, she goes like, change it, change it. There's something in her mind that says, switch it up and change it up. He's getting close to figuring it out. They like that, they like that mystery. And, and really, truthfully, honestly, they like for you to, to pursue. And they like for you to study. They like for you to know them and know who they are. It's like, well, I don't have time for that. You got married. You signed up for it. Okay? You got signed up for it. You got 50 years of it. Okay? So better just, better just get in. Know what she likes. Know, what she, know, know the things that she doesn't like. I was watching last night. Okay? Uh, we were talking about, talking about flowers. Um, your wife hates flowers. And I, I heard her whisper to one of the other ladies, because they die. Okay, yeah, that's that's exactly my wife's philosophy. She 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 hates flowers. My wife will not. She does not want flowers. If I come home with flowers, it's a terrible gift. Okay, Reason, don't get don't 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 give her flowers either. Flowers. You give her flowers. She likes them. Okay. See, everyone, but you got to know that. You got to know that. If I bring home flowers, she's going to look at me. And she's going to go. She's going to go. You know, I hate flowers because they die. They don't last. They're not a good gift. Give me something that's going to last. Give me something for my table. Something for my shelf. That 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 that's not a not a good gift. Does she, does she ever breathe them? I've tried potted flowers, but she she kills everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, we've got a uh, we've got a, a little plant above our toilet in our in our bathroom, and uh, that thing it sits right by the window. And none of our I mean, she we all the kids the kids have to water the flowers. We we make make them do that when they're out. And uh, Angie's always worried about how her flowers look, so she water them, and, and they they die, and we buy new ones and we put them out. And we got this one in the bathroom that never gets any attention. And it lives. It lives. And I, I'm like, I, I told her, I said, well, here's one, honey, that you haven't killed yet. You know? And, uh, and she said, and she'll say to me, like, she's, well, she said, I don't pay any attention to it. She said, it just, it just goes on its own. So the only type of, of really even potted plants that she can are ones that have to live on their own. Yeah, yeah. Basically, good luck, right? Your, your, wife, your wife killed a cactus? That's pretty hard to do. That's pretty hard to do. With their shoes. So, again, Know what she likes. Know what she dislikes. Okay. Does she prefer a particular type of cologne? Does she prefer a particular uh, particular brand of of, of chocolate? That, that she, is there something particular that she likes? What's her favorite candy bar? What's her favorite color? Okay. These things are important when you're making decisions because you, they 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 see the effort that you put into learning who she is. What makes her happy? 
Okay? What saddens her? What is it that 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 she looks at in life and, and what is it that she likes what is it that she likes about herself and what is it that she does not like about herself? You know that, guys. You know you know the areas of her body that she absolutely hates. Okay? The things that she's self-conscious about. Okay? We would love for them not to be, right? And we try and convince them that there's no reason to be, but that doesn't change who they are, right? So that that's just that's with every woman. I, every they're all it's all the same. The problems are different, but they're all the same. Our 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 world has placed this level of expectation upon them that that is not real. It's not reality. Okay, I try and tell my wife that's real, that's fake. Okay, those aren't real. Okay, they're not real. Okay, they weren't born with those. Okay, somebody paid a lot of money for those. Okay, I try and help her understand that, that these things that, that, that she doesn't have to meet some sort of expectation to please me that I loved her and that I have had both the best and the worst of her. I had I had the best of my wife. Okay, and she's had my children and now I'm dealing with the aging aspects of my life. But that's quite all right. Okay, I'm not looking for a new model and I have to convince her of that. Right? I'm not looking to trade her in. Right? Well, listen, you, all you guys know what I'm talking about. Those conversations that you have that you're like, oh, no, here we go again. You know? Or she, or she, she asks the question, do you love me? <laughs> do you love me? Do you love me? Well, yes. You know? You know? Some, yeah, sometimes I go, sometimes I go, sometimes I go no. <laughs> you know? And she'll go, and she'll go, and she'll she'll smack me, you know. And, uh, yeah. Has she gone through menopause? No, yet. Okay, get ready, brother. Yeah. Yeah. We've 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 already talked about the hot and the cold flashes and the mood swings. Uh, we're we're preparing ourselves for it as we speak. Yeah, God bless. I've been there. You'll survive. Yeah. yeah. Well, with with your perspective on it, I'm, I'm I don't know why you saw the devil. <laughs> Answering questions the way you answered last night. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to lead her is to learn her. And then the best way to lead her is to lift her. Notice it says, as I give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Okay? Now, again, the way that we read this verse, we think, we think the way the Bible pictures is she's weak and I'm strong. Well, that's not the way that the Bible puts it here. It says, give honor unto her as the weaker vessel. The comparative term here is weaker. God doesn't say as into the weak vessel. He just says in the weaker vessel. Okay, so comparatively, if you're comparing something that's weak, you're comparing it against something that is strong. But if you're comparing something that's weaker, you're comparing it with something that is already weak. Okay? So God says you're weak. She's just weaker. And in comparison, in God's eyes, that is exactly how it works. Okay? From God's perspective, you're weak, she's weaker. So no reason to be all, you know, high and mighty on this, on this verse. Yeah. yeah. No reason to start puffing out your chest at this point, talking about how much you bench. Okay. Anyway, sit on the bench. Lift her up. <laughs> Lift her up and praise her. Okay. Place the value on her that God does. Okay. Place the value on her that God does. Women want to feel valued. They want to feel cherished. Right, they want to know that somebody thinks that they're special. You already think that you're special. Okay? We know that. Okay? God knows that. But God wants us to make sure that they know they're special. So here are, the, here are some of the, the axioms that we have. Now, there are some areas. I'm going to just give you some practical areas. What are some areas where you need to lead your wives and your family? First of all, lead your wife in worship. Lead your wife in worship. Don't. Do not. Send her to worship. Do not let her attend church by herself, all right? Lead her in, in your home, okay? Pray with her. Have devotions with her. My wife and I are going through uh, 
we try and find you know, little devotional books that we use written for couples. And we'll, we'll do a little devotional book and then we'll finish up and we'll find something else. And, and that's my job. My job is to find it for us to go through it. It doesn't take very long. We just want to read something, just read some scripture, pray together, get things started. And again, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes we don't do it every morning. Sometimes things get and they get going fast, faster than what we're going off the ground, faster than what we want. And we don't take that time. But we try and make it a, a point that we are spending regular time together in the Word of God and in prayer. Lead your wife in worship. Okay, Don't let her lead you. Okay, Take a step spiritually and lead her. My wife, first and I start, we first started dating, she was spiritually, she was much further advanced spiritually than I was. Uh, I, she grew up in a pastor's home. I did not grow up in a pastor's home. It took, it took, it took years of Bible, it really took Bible college in order to get me to a place where I felt like I could come home and lead her in worship. That's your responsibility. Okay. Lead her in worship. Secondly, lead her in prayer. Pray with your wife. Pray with her. When things, when things happen, stop and pray immediately. I, I, I have, I've tried to try and do this even with folks in our church because I'll have folks come through, I'll see them in the hallway in the foyer, see them before church, and they'll say, Pastor this, or they'll come off as a pastor that, and I need to, I need, would you please pray for me? And sometimes I, I, I don't even, it's not intentional. Sometimes I commit to pray for folks, and because I never write it down, it doesn't come back in my mind until I see them again. So what I've learned to do is, first of all, write things down or have them write it down. Somebody says something to me, I say, write that down and give it to me so that I can have it. And that way I go home with four or five notes in my pocket. I can lay them out and remember them. Secondly, I try and pray with people immediately. You know, God's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. So when people say, Pastor, I have a need, I'll say, step over here. Let's pray about that right now. Why? Because I want to be honest about the fact that I've prayed for it and I want them to know that I'm ministering to it. So when things happen in your home, stop and pray there. There's nowhere that you can't get a hold of God, nowhere that you can't pray. All right. So take time to pray. When something happens, you get a phone call. When something's going on with the kids, when they're worried about something, when, when you know, I think we all prayed during the hurricane, didn't we? Yeah. Anybody stay or anybody leave? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah. So we we stayed too. We thought about leaving. I don't know about you, but we were like, we're leaving. No, we're staying. We're leaving. No, we're staying. I am leaving. No, no, we're going to stay. You know. And then by the time we decided we wanted to leave, we didn't believe there was enough gas to be able to get us where we wanted to go. Yeah. So we all had that same anxiety, right, about the, the hurricane. You know, we prayed through that, the whole thing. My wife and I prayed about it. We prayed for our, prayed the Lord would protect our home. We use our home to have folks in. We have people in our house all the time. Say, Lord, this is your house. If you want us to, to keep it, Lord, help us to help it stay in, in good shape or protect our church. We'd love to be able to come back and have services here. And we prayed together over those things because it was an immediate need. Pray with your wife. Okay. Absolutely essential. Lead her, lead her in devotions. Not only lead her in worship, lead her in devotions. Take time to have devotions with her. Take her to church. Take her to church. Lead your family to church. Don't send your family to church. Okay? Just, just don't. Just don't. Okay? You're setting a bad precedent. I've got kids. I've got families right now, moms that are raising their kids, and the kids are now getting to the 10 to 13-year-old range. And because dad doesn't go and dad's not faithful, now the kids think they've got an option. Okay? That's never the precedent you want to set. Okay, they're gonna. Th- those kids. Listen, given given all. Listen, it is our spirit that desires to worship God. It is our spirit, but our flesh does not. Okay, our flesh wants to stay in bed. Our flesh does not want to get up and get dressed and get changed and get out the door and worry with all that stuff. But again, we've got to resist that and we've got to move forward. Lead your family in accountability. Lead your family in accountability. Don't don't let your wife be the only one to admit when she's wrong. Your wife's probably heard. I love you a lot of times, but not heard I'm sorry very many times. So you better say you're sorry. Will it be willing to accept your part when you do something wrong? You say something stupid. Okay? That's hard for us. Swallow hard and say you're sorry and mean it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got offended by that. That is not an apology. That's a pseudo-apology. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you heard it that way. I'm sorry you took it that way. Meaning I really didn't do anything wrong. It's really your, your fault. And I'm just not going to accept responsibility. Quit that. Be honest. Okay. Accept your part of the blame, part of the responsibility. 
Men don't like to do that. We don't do that very well. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Be honest. Okay? Put, put the blame on you. Accept the responsibility. I know I shouldn't have said that. That was, that was very selfish of me to say. Okay? Be accountable. Don't be proud. Yes, sir? Just on the note of prayer, um, because sometimes you're not with your spouse and you necessarily can't do it right away. What I've found is really helpful is to have a time, like at the end of the day, that we set ahead of time that we're going to pray for one another and we're going to pray for the different things that are going on in our family. And then if anything else comes up, we try to address it then. Yeah, that's good. I mean, a lot of times if you don't schedule it, it won't get done. I, mean, I live by my calendar, okay? Everything I do goes right in my calendar. And I, so I know what, I, what time I have available, what time I don't, my meetings, my counseling. So it should be the same way in your home. Schedule time to pray with your wife. Have a time set aside. If you don't schedule, it won't happen. If you expect it to happen spontaneously, it's not going to happen spontaneously. It's because we, we just get too busy. And then when we come home, we want to disconnect and we get locked into the game or we get locked into what's going on on TV or we get locked into some other project that we're working on and we're not interested in really being able to communicate with our wives. So make sure that you're taking time. And by the way, don't expect her to be accountable. Don't expect everybody in the, fa- in the house to be accountable to you without you being accountable to them. Okay. Leader, a leader is not above accountability. A leader is not above integrity. A leader leads in accountability and he leads in integrity and he's transparent. He's willing to admit when he's wrong. I've had to go to my children and apologize. I've had to go to my wife and apologize. Be the first to admit when you're, when you're wrong. When you're wrong. I, that's, that's something that I've had to learn. I, I, I hate that. I hate that feeling of having to go. I, I, I resist that with every fiber of my being on the inside. I want to make, I want to, I want to make other people sorry for something too. That's, that's just, the, just the way it is. Okay. Lead your family in responsibility. When you're teaching them responsibility, don't be lazy. Okay. Don't be lazy. Yeah, don't expect them to get up and have their devotions and go to work and do all those things if you're not doing those things. Okay? Make sure that you are leading by example in the matter of work ethic. I say that. I mean, the generation before us, they, they didn't have a problem with the work ethic. And many of us were raised in such a way that we were taught. We got up in the morning, we went and worked, and we came back. Kids today don't have that. They don't have that. They have it very easy, and then they complain and they whine, and we don't want to fight it. So we don't we don't we don't we don't give them the we don't give them what they really need. Listen, if you don't fight for some of these things, you're doing a disservice to them for later on in life. So lead your family in the matter of work ethic. Okay, don't expect your wife to be up from morning till dawn. Okay, put something in the crock pot in the morning for dinner that evening. Okay, trying to get herself ready, trying to get the kids ready, getting out the door, going to work, coming back home, making sure that dinner is ready and on the table at a specific time, doing the dishes, cleaning the house. She's up and she's working all the way up until 10, 1030, never gets an opportunity to sit down while you're sitting over there sipping on lemonade and receiving the privileges of marriage. And then we have the audacity to turn around and want her to make love to us when we go to the bedroom and we haven't done a cotton-picking thing to help them throughout the course of the day. So lead in that area. Lift some things off of your wife. You know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but I mean, if you'll listen to her and you'll lead her the way that she's supposed to be led and love her the way she's supposed to be led, you'll get your needs met. And if you'll lift some things off of her plate, she'll have a little more time to be able to minister to you. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, do the dishes, take the kids out, get them out, get them out of the house for a little bit, you know, have something done, do a load of laundry, fold something that's in the dryer. Come on, run the vacuum. I'm not, ta- I'm not telling you to be a woman. I'm telling you to be a man and lead in these areas so that your wife can be free to respond to you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt me to be able to do it. So take some cook dinner one night. Take the family out. No, no, no. You're not cooking tonight. We're going out. I'm taking you out and so that you can be free. Okay? Make her a bath with some of that smelly stuff that you get from Bath and Body. Do you know her favorite fragrance? You ought to know her. You ought to know her. I'm just telling you. You gotta know her. 
Lead your family in repentance. Lead your family in repentance. Um, that is, get to the altar. Go to the altar yourself and get to the altar and pray and repent. When God deals with your heart, be the first to lead them. I want my kids to, to know to, to go and, and, and get things right with God. I want my children to be right with God. I want my, I want my church people to use, use, use the altar. But at the same time, I can't expect my wife and my children to use it if I'm not leading in repentance. Okay? It's important that we lead in repentance. Lead them to ask forgiveness when they sin. Lead them to be contrite and sorrowful for sin. All right? And let me give you some attitudes. Let me just tell you how to lead. Okay? First of all, I'm just going to run through these. First of all, lead gently. Lead gently. Don't be a harsh person. Don't be a dictator. Okay? Lead gently. Secondly, lead confidently. Men don't like, women don't like men who are always worried, wringing their hands about whether they're making the right decision. They like to feel secure and confident because you're confident. So lead confidently. Thirdly, lead purposefully. Know where you're going. Okay? Some, someone who leads, you know, listen, the truth of the matter is, for a person who doesn't have any goals, for a person who has no goals, you miss the mark every time. That is, if you don't know where you're going, you're just going to wander around. So make sure that you're purposely. Lead with integrity. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't expect your wife and your children to do something that you're not willing to do. And then lastly, lead with balance. You know, your wife's going to lean on you. Women have difficulty keeping things in balance. They have difficulty knowing where to spend their time and how to get everything done. And that's the, way we, that's the way we operate in our home. My wife will go, okay, here's my list. And then she gives me a list of seven, eight things that she wants to accomplish in that day. She says, you tell me what's most important, and you tell me how to get it done. And honestly, sometimes, sometimes I go, I don't want to do this. Oh, I mean, I got enough to worry about my own plate. But what she's doing is she's relying on me to give her stability. She's leaning on me. And so I have to turn to her and say, okay, in my opinion, here are the top four things. I would do this first, this first, this first. And then she go, okay. She said, but I don't like that order. I'm going to do it in this. I said, I don't care what order you do it in. To me, those are the most important things. And leave everything else go. If, it, if you don't get to it, it's fine. And then she's, and she's good. She's good. She can, she can zip off doing what she needs to do. Because again, she'll lead with balance. The Bible says, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Okay? So lead, lead your wife with balance. You guys, listen, we're all in the same boat here. Okay? Marriage, marriage is, a, is, is just a unique gift from God. God has given us the gift of our wives. We're all dealing. You're, you're not alone. Okay? The reason why we can sit here and laugh and talk and the things can resonate is because God made women... Uh, you know, while, while you know we deal with the cultural aspect or the ethnic aspect, but the truth of the matter is, they all have a, the similar qualities. God just they're they're just cut out of the same mold. It, it really is amazing who we choose, and it's amazing that when we choose, while they're so unique, there's a lot of similar qualities that we all have to, uh, to learn to deal with. So again, the Bible gives us navigation for this. That God didn't leave us without remedy. So you know, take some of those things and and use them. Just a practical thought. All right.